Hello everyone, this is Molly Carmichael here today. We have another great guest today, Bert Silva. He's the President and Chief Executive Officer for Shea Homes. And for those of you who may or may not know Shea Homes, they're the largest privately held home builder in the U.S. They built over about 3,000 homes last year. Uh, terrific builder, terrific family. It's a family-owned business. Shea Homes has been recognized for so many different things, including Outstanding Builder Awards, including Builder of the Year, one of America's Best Builders. Uh, there's many more. Um, there's, they're also one of the oldest privately owned construction companies with iconic works like building the Hoover Dam and the Golden Gate Bridge. How's that for quality? <laughs> Today, they build new homes for all generations with Shea Homes and Trilogy. They also build apartments, retail centers, and commercial with Shea properties as well. Bert himself, he has so many words, it's hard to count. Um, he's CEO of the Year, Hall of Fame. He's received the Humanitarian Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, he's received awards with City of Hope. Uh, he's been on the Homemade Board, so much more. He's just a great guy, and you'll hear from him yourself. So let's hear the rest from Bert about his career, his life, and what it truly takes to be an inspirational leader. So please join me in welcoming Bert Silva. Welcome everyone today. We are here with Bert Silva with our Inspirational Leadership Series. We're excited to have you, Bert. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Molly. Yeah, so we're going to jump in and I'm going to start with a question I ask everybody right off the bat. And that is, if you were to describe what your role is today at Shea, what do you do every day? Uh, what do I do every day? Well, yeah. first of all, my, my title is president and CEO of uh, Shea Homes, and uh, we build in 11 states under uh, the brands Shea Homes and Trilogy. Uh, our Trilogy is our uh, active adult, uh, our active lifestyle um, division. Mm -hmm. And I am blessed or fortunate to run uh, a company and manage and work with some of the most talented people I've ever met that are really good people and are really good at what they do. Um, and so that's kind of what I do every day. You know, I've heard the most amazing things and I, and I personally have had some experiences with them, but I've heard the Shea family is so nice. Um, and just, you know, I've seen them different stages throughout our business. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I've heard the greatest things about working there and obviously great things about you as well. Um, but what's it like working for a family owned business? Um, it's really amazing. It, it's, it's incredible. You know, Molly, I, I've worked for a uh, you know, public company before public builder before um, I did consulting um, years ago. So I saw a lot of businesses uh -huh. and what I love about Shay is uh, first of all, the family is amazing. They're uh probably the most humble people I've met, uh, incredibly successful, but amazingly humble. And um, genuine is a word, I think. Gen too, right? Genuine, absolutely. And uh, super high integrity, which is Agreed. something that uh, I think is important in a leader, obviously. Me too. Um, I tried to pride uh, myself on that. But I think the other thing about the, the family that that's really different uh, that I love about the, the company is First of all, they give me the autonomy to run the business, which is great, but we're just very aligned, right? We, we both have the same interests. We both look at the business long-term. We think about the business in terms of our customers, our people, our employees. And I think if you ask people throughout the company, you'll hear that. Um, and the other real unique thing about us, 
a bit of a unicorn is that we're very large and we're private and we've got a small smaller family type uh, culture right that that everybody knows each other we try not to get too bureaucratic yet we've got capital to go do big deals and we compete with all of the publics uh, in all of our markets and uh, so it's a it's a unique opportunity and I, I absolutely love it well, we're going we're gonna to talk about Shane a little bit, but I want to get back to you. So we're okay. going to do a little bit of a rewind and kind of go back to Bert Silva when he was younger. Uh, tell me a little <laughs> bit about, and we're going to just start with another sort of question, like go back to when you were young. Okay. And, and I always use the, I don't know why the age eight comes to mind, but like when you were eight, where did you think you would be when you grew up? Um. Well, let me start with a little bit of backdrop because I think my parents had some influence. My, you know, my parents uh, immigrated to the U.S. Um, from, you know, our ancestry is from Spain, but we had a few generations stop in Nicaragua and uh, in Central America. And both my mom and my dad migrated to the States in their 20s, early 30s. Um, and my dad was a practicing doctor in Nicaragua. And so when he came to the US, he not only had to learn the language, but he had to pass the state medical board, you know, and the, the, the medical exams, board exams uh, in English. So it was kind of interesting because he didn't become a doctor till he was 47. He didn't uh, open his own business or start making money till he was about 47 years old, hmm. which that had an influence on me because when I was eight years old, back to your question, I thought I wanted to be a doctor because I thought it was so cool that people would come to him from all over. He was super passionate about it. My dad was one of those workaholics. And, I, you know, some people say, well, you didn't see your dad as much or whatever. But I also got it. That's kind of that generation. That's what he did. But I, I saw the doctor part. I thought I love helping people. I think it's cool that people leave and they're happier when they leave or feel better when they leave or shortly thereafter. And then I saw what, you know, we went through as a family, you know, I've got four brothers, five boys, no girls in our oh, family. So a lot like of testosterone. Have lots of boys. That's so yeah. Cool. A lot, it, Molly, get this picture. A lot of testosterone, five boys, parents don't get home from, because my mom ran my dad's office don't get home from work till 7.30 to 8.30 at night. So we'd eat eight to nine o'clock every night. So we're out. I feel like I had five boys if you take my husband into account. (laughs) (laughs) And take dogs and pets too. But I had five. Yeah, four four brothers. So so that was it. But, but, you know, it it shifted around that time too, because I also really liked design. I also, I had a, I don't know what it was, but as a kid, I just loved cool things, whether it was uh, cool cars, cool bikes, uh, watches, home design, just anything. I just really got into uh, design and I thought someday I'd like to be in business selling, manufacturing, doing something with those products. And I thought maybe in the auto industry would be that running a company or doing something like that. Because uh, I was just interested in it, and uh, so it was one of those two things at that time. What brought your parents over here from from Spain? What what drove them to come here? What was the? Uh... Well, my parents were from Nicaragua. Ancestry was from Spain. Okay. And uh, 
you know, but, uh, but when they came from, from that, my mom is a, just a highly motivated individual. And uh, she grew up uh, an only child and wanted to do more. And she had just heard incredible things about the U.S., and uh, the opportunities that existed. And she literally came to the country with $60 and wow. uh, a few outfits. And um, literally, in, in fact, ironically, you know, we're Catholic. She, she uh, went to a, a convent where some nuns were and they took her in temporarily for a period of time. And she ended up working um, uh, at uh, the Hostess Bakery on Folsom nice. uh, at uh, late night shift. And that's how she started. And then got a job at, uh, at AAA, the auto club. And, um, and then my dad decided, you know, I really did like that woman and followed her to the U.S. a couple years later. Oh, I uh, love it. And he uh, followed her. Yeah. And he oh, gave up adorable. his medical practice there. I mean, he was... You know, in, in, in Central America, that was a big deal. And but he practiced uh, to start here, right? But he What's came that? here and then he came here and had to retest and then practice here. He had to yes. kind of exactly, exactly. So that was uh so she was a motivator to me in that she took risks, she worked really hard, and she's she's one of those people that can make you feel like you could do anything. I always felt as a kid that there was just it wasn't too much, but it was just, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can and she was kind of living proof of that, you know, raising five boys, moving here with nothing, making the most of it. She really pushed my dad to be successful. I was going to say, had, she must have been pretty great, you know, given your father's journey to come over. And she, you know. she did. And, you know, she helped him build his practice to be the number one doctor of Hispanic wow. uh, patients in the Mission District in San Francisco. And uh nice. So my dad got a late start, but he did really well in his career. And uh, she was a, a big part of that. So um, anyway. now did your did your mom, I don't know why I'm going to ask you this, but did your mom have any sort of artistic background? Artistic? No, not not really. Um, no, I, I just I, I laugh definitely because, do. I mean, having an eye for design and I know enough about your family to be dangerous. I mean, there's yeah. definitely a design and artistic flair there right for sure yeah yeah and and i think the big thing for uh you know she was really into uh antiques and victorian stuff and would go to the estate auctions in san francisco and one piece at a time get really cherished and put that into our house and by the time we were done we had some pretty cool stuff that over the years kind of filled a house up she wasn't somebody that was just going to go down to, you know, a furniture store and buy a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and so it was kind of fun. And that kind of stuck, stuck with me uh, over the years, especially um, that pride in ownership and, and just how the little things matter. So, so where are you in the lineup of the family? Um, I have got two older brothers and two younger brothers. Wow. So you were yeah. ultimately the middle child. Yes, I was a middle child, and it's kind of interesting, Molly, because I have my older brothers about six years older than me, and my younger brothers about six years younger. The so closest in age? Just, yes, the, the, okay. the two older were close, and the two younger were close. Okay. Um, so I think my mom kept trying for a girl, which she would have absolutely loved, uh, but uh, wasn't to be until she had a couple of granddaughters. So. 
And now oh. she's got great granddaughters. So that's so sweet. That's really yep. sweet. So, so fast forward now your parents get married and there's five boys and you're literally the, the I mean, you probably learned to negotiate at a really young age. I have to imagine. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Without a, little, a doubt. Uh, so, a little bit of strong arming some and a little bit of negotiation with others. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. So I am one of seven technically, Wow. And, but I'm the youngest. So talk about learning to negotiate fast because everything <laughs> kind of comes downhill for sure. So, well, Molly, so that makes, a, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You learn to maneuver. It's, it's pretty interesting. But anyways, so, so let's kind of fast forward. How did you get into home building? Like Tell me about sort of, I know you have played a little basketball in your time, so mm -hmm. you've got a competitive uh, spirit about you, mm -hmm. but how did you get into home building? Um, the way I got into home building, Molly, was, um, you know, I went to USC undergrad, uh, loved it, um, huge USC fan, but um, when I went back to, I, I worked in industry for years, and then when I went back, I kind of pivoted at UCLA got my MBA, I got in and, and, um, and I wanted to do something different. And my second year I was doing um, my thesis at UCLA and you have to do it. I forget what they called it. It was, it was, there was a name for it. It was a project and you had to work with a couple of, of others. And um, I was kind of an anomaly at school myself and actually one other gentleman who I occasionally commuted with but I lived in South Orange County. My wife worked and my son was three weeks old and I started a program at UCLA. And for those that aren't from LA or Southern California, that could be anywhere from a one hour drive at about 4.30 in the morning when I'd usually leave and a three hour drive home on a Friday afternoon. And I would do that daily. So I was really motivated to find something, just dumb luck, in Orange County um, to do my second year thesis project. Um, and a guy said, hey, I know um, some folks over at Rancho Mission Viejo. And uh, he knew uh, Richard O'Neill and Tony Moiso. And he said, do you want to do a project uh, with me there? And so we took it on and we did it. And it was basically a project uh, for Rancho Mission Viejo and for Tony Moiso, who gave me my start in this industry. And uh, what it was is, you know, the, the O'Neill Moiso family owned 42,000 acres of Orange County. You know, Irvine Company was 65,000 as the largest number one and number two uh, developers and landholders in Orange County, and they had just developed uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, and they hadn't really done a look back on what worked, what didn't work, because at that time things were going well. And so I did kind of a kind of a consulting project for them for a year. And Molly, uh, you being a great consultant would probably laugh at whatever that end project. I don't think it was worth the paper it was printed on. But uh, it got me to see, I got to see all aspects of the business. I got to see retail, office, industrial, you know, master plan community homes. And I really fell in love with two things. One, the home building side was, was probably number one. And very close behind that was the master plan community of creating place. 
And uh, so that was really great. And it came in handy uh, later in my career when uh, I ran a community called Highlands Ranch. So uh, it was, that's how I got into it. Uh, I got out of school, graduated, and I started talking to home builders. And I ended up uh, working with a gentleman by the name of Dale Stewart at Signature Homes in, uh, in Orange County and um, did that for five years. And uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Do you still have the study? Um, I'm I, sure it's somewhere. I would yes. love to read that study. I would love to read that Yeah, Molly, you couldn't pay me enough to get your hands on it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say your big takeaways are? You know, like looking back at that, and when I say takeaways, like what did you kind of like looking back at that? And again, sort of talking to young leaders, you know, people that just want to know you more, what were yeah. the things you learned out of that experience? Are and you saying from a real estate standpoint? Or? From, a, from a real estate standpoint, but also kind of what it took to get through that, you know, part perseverance and the other part of it is content and made you better when you went to go work for a builder? Um, well, a couple of things. The perseverance was, I, I think when you get in those situations, like when you have a young kid and, and you know, you're, you're just in survival mode. I mean, I literally... I hate to admit this, but I, I would go to bed at 1.15 and at 4.15 to 4.30, I was on the freeway uh, driving to UCLA. And I did that for a couple of years. And those Fridays, so hard working. my, my sure. days off, it felt like, because I'd go down to Rancho Mission Viejo for you know a few hours, and then we would work from our house and we'd collaborate on what we saw, what we did and, and all that. From a, from a real estate standpoint, what Rancho Mission Viejo has done is just fantastic. You know, there, there's, we have a lot of great, you know, uh, developers and master plan uh, community developers around the country. But, you know, you realize that the time and effort that's put in up front and really thinking through the details of what, what, how are people going to live? How's this going to work? What is it? You know, how's it going to be for the long term? really pays off because the more time and effort you spend up front, the better. And I think it's really important that every subsequent community learns from what worked and didn't work there so that your last community is always your best, but you're proud of that first one. And um, so I, I think it's that. I, I think it's respecting people for what it is because you come in and you're young, you're getting your, your MBA. And, and you know, I, I felt like, okay, I've learned a lot. And there was stuff I saw and I go, you know, I would probably do this a little bit different, but at least I had the common sense to, to keep that to myself and to really understand what they're doing. And once you understand the thought, the logic, why I went into it, it makes a lot more sense. And so one of the things is to not pass judgment so quickly. Right. Uh, I think that happens a lot uh, with people go, why'd they do this? This is dumb or that's dumb, you know, on whatever they see. But somebody put time and effort in it. Now, some of some stuff I see, I go, ooh, I don't know what someone was thinking. But uh, in places like that, they really hit it out of the park. And so it was quite easy to do because everything was good. The other thing you realize is cycles in this business really matter, right? Oh, you you could God. have the greatest product on earth, but if it's the wrong time in the cycle, it's not going to work. And you could have product that's mediocre. And in a, uh, in a, you know, good market, it sucks because there's no inventory. 
And uh, so it's just something that I, I guess there was a lot of lessons learned. I think humility is one of them that uh, you go in and, and the old saying that nobody learned by talking. Um, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. And uh, so <laughs> it's, just a, it, it's been a philosophy um, of mine, especially, you know, wh- one other thing I, I'd say real quick, Molly, is that I was, my mom taught me to learn from people who have been successful or elders. I really like to pick people's brain that have done it. And I did that from a young age and starting in this industry, I just had great mentors because I listened to what they say. And I feel like they're giving you the shortcut to success because you're going, okay, they tried that. That didn't work. Why didn't it work? Okay. I get that next thing. And it's just not going down all these avenues, uh, not learning. So anyway, it was, it was a great experience and I'm thankful to Tony to this day. Yeah, I, I think great people make great people. And so, yeah, very fortunate. And, and, and I would say, were you able to work directly with Tony through that? Because part of it too, is just having the opportunity to see another person thrive and do what they do. I, I did. I heard such great things about Tony. I've never met him in person, actually. Oh, he, he's a treat. He's, uh, he's just an icon. Uh, and I've worked with some icons in my life. You know, I think of, of Tony Moiso, I think of Dale Stewart, I think of Today, John Shea, I am just so blessed to work with with uh, with him as a chairman of our parent company. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's um, he, he's fantastic. And he was so gracious because we'd have lunch, you know, sometimes when he was in and he'd pop in and see how we're doing. And then when we wrapped up, we did a presentation uh, to him and just always been such a gracious man and kind of he's one of the few people that that does the lost art of writing thank you notes or writing notes like uh I, you know he uh, helped my son and daughter-in-law when they were getting married and i uh, i forget what it was he did he did me a favor and he sends me this handwritten note and and if i've had any success or something came up and he saw my name i'll get a, a beautiful handwritten card from him and that's just a dying art that i think i, I wish we had more of because i love that and I think that's just, uh, I don't know. It's just a different time and place. It's hard to throw away a handwritten note. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. so different. And it really is. I, I really do keep handwritten notes. It's, it's, I think you're totally right. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple uh, quick rounds of questions just about you. Um, okay. Tell me, your, uh, tell me your favorite sport. Uh, my favorite sport to play today is golf. Uh, I love watching um, USC football and uh, Formula One racing. I've been a Formula One fan really? for a long, a long time, long before the uh, Drive to Survive came out. Have now you I've done any racing? Um, I've done some uh, on tracks, but not Formula One cars. And it's just, it's been for fun. So um but true but with a professional race car driver in coaching you and uh and it's a whole different a whole different deal um i just it's amazing to me these athletes these formula one drivers are driving cars at 220 miles an hour uh and dodging things and just their their skill set and their uh eyesight and their hand-eye coordination is absolutely incredible and uh so yeah that's some of the things i i the sports i like Super fun. Used uh, to love you, playing basketball. So and playing basketball. 
Yeah. Yes, I've I've heard about your basketball skills. Yeah, those um, are in the rearview mirror, though, Molly. Just so you know, it's been a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard you're pretty good. Um, what about uh, what about a favorite pastime? If you weren't at the office, what would you love to do? A hundred percent with my family. Um, you nice. know, my kids are now uh, a little bit older, and I just love the people that they've become. Uh, I love spending time with my wife and uh, our, our kids, including our daughter-in-law. And now we just have two granddaughters too. Um, but my favorite oh, thing is, is traveling with them. You know, we've had some of our best times um, and it doesn't need to be anything big, even if it's just sitting around, uh, you know, uh, having a glass of wine or kicking back or a cocktail or whatever it is or traveling but we really have a great time together. And that to me is, uh, is everything. I'm blessed. I still have my mom around. She's 93. And uh, so blessed. I still chat with her daily on my way home. I like to, <laughs> to just check in with her. And even if it's 10, 15 minutes and we have a good laugh and uh, she's the most positive person you've ever met. Um, years ago, uh, USC football coach, Pete Carroll, I remember somebody asked him, why are you so up? Why are you so happy all the time? And he said, I, he goes, I just always feel like something great is just about to happen. And that's my mom. She's really? always, every little thing is the greatest thing ever. And I think there's something to be said about how vibrant she is at 93 and, you know, memory and everything. So, uh, where does she get it? Where does she get it from Bert? Where do you think she gets it from? Um, I, I think it's just the, uh, the, the, the curiosity, you know, I, I find people who are curious and are always learning, like, you know, the, the, the Jesuit high school I went to in San Francisco, the, the, the thing I loved about the Jesuits, we we're really big on two things. One is being, you know, men and women for others is what they, what they, they preach. And the other was continuous learning. And I take that to the company with continuous learning and continuous improvement. I'm a huge believer that today I could be better than yesterday and tomorrow than today. I agree. And I think my mom is just that way. She's just so curious. You know, she could go into a room and literally can tell you everything about everybody she met. And it's the craziest thing. Like she'll come up and say, hey, did you know that, you know, this person's wife or this person that, that they lived here? And then they, it's like, I've known these people for 30 years. I didn't know that, <laughs> you know, and she gets it in a matter of minutes. So uh, just there's a curiosity about people, about things. And, and I think it keeps her mind young and, and there's a positivity. And I think those two things uh, are a big part of her longevity. How many, you know, they say that attitude has so much to do with longevity. Yes, um, I, have I, I agree. Right. I have to be right. I, so Pause for a moment. Tell me your favorite moment with your father. With my father? Mm -hmm. um, because my dad worked so much, I mean, he would leave the house uh, when he was assisting in surgery. Um, you he know, was like, a, he was a surgeon. No, he was, he was, he, is, he did surgery, but he assisted. He wasn't the main surgeon on it. Mm -hmm. But he did do he did do surgeries to be part of the surgeries. But uh, he was a surgery and, and a um, and a general practice practitioner. And nice. I I kind of had to make the time with my dad. Um, so I you know kind of fun part was 
you know, I, I told you I loved automobiles. And when I was young, he would let me uh, join him to, uh, on Saturday mornings, he would go visit all of his patients in the hospital. And um, I would go with them and we'd spend time in the car and maybe we'd get something to eat. But when he went in to see the patients, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I know what you're going to say. That's the funniest part. I would uh, take the car out of the medical parking lot and drive <laughs> 12, 13 years old. And, um, and I, I did that, Molly. And, and, uh, and uh, that I come is back hilarious. And, and the one thing I always prayed for always was, I sure hope that parking spot is still there when I get back. <laughs> Because if it's too far somewhere else, he's going to go, wait a minute, how did it get over here? Now, did but he I know? Used to, uh, no, no, he didn't. Because oh, what happened so is I, I would tell him, hey, I moved the car because the sun and whatever. And, and that was partially true. So I shouldn't say as fully, but I used to wash the cars for him again, just when I was younger. But I used to love driving it around the block to dry the car. So dry oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so, so funny. Uh, anyway, so but I, I enjoyed spending the time with him then uh, because he did. He put in a lot of hours all the time. And, you know, my dad was a good athlete when he was young, but he, he didn't come to many of our games or, or much of that until people started telling him, you know, you should go watch your son play. And uh and it's funny, he, he did start doing that in high school and he couldn't believe how many people were there and it was, it was just different. So, you but- know, I, uh, think, I think, and, and tell me if you think it's different, but I think our generation of parents never had the guilt or the need to be as involved in their kids like we do for our kids, right? Yeah. I mean, no, I, it I really agree. is different. It's, it's 100% different. And, and, and Molly, you know, after we'd be done at the hospital, we'd go, he'd go make house calls. And my dad made house calls up till he was about 81 years old when he oh retired. Gosh. And, wow. and uh, you know, we were kind of saying, okay, it's probably time for him to retire, but I'd see him go into these, and he would sometimes take me into their home. And I just saw the love and care he gave people. And kind of that's, that was what he did. And, um, I didn't worry about, boy, he's not spending all this time with me or not. I know he sure. was providing for us and trying to make for a better life. And so and it, was, it was all good. Yeah, just really. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Well, let's let's move into the, the Shea family of things. And, okay. and obviously, how did you actually get introduced to Shea? Um, well, I told you I got... To connect the dots, you know, when I graduated from UCLA, I went to work for Signature Homes. Um, that gentleman, Stewart, we did it for five years and we were building about 300 homes in Orange County, which at the time was pretty good. And then the big builders start coming into the market and we were being financed. And that's kind of what was my job to raise the financing. And, and I remember I used to go and, and deal with the bank called the Security Pacific Bank and we did some debt and equity combined, and it really taught me a lot. But, but what happened was you couldn't be competitive with the big builders because we'd go put a bid on a piece of property, and then we had to go get financing for you know a few months. And if they had the cash, they'd get it. And Dale, who rose to be president of NAHB, um, you know, as a builder, he came in. I remember one st strategic planning meeting we had. 
in a January, he said, Bert, what do you think we should do? And I, he knew the answer and he was just asking, he asked his son and myself, and it, it became pretty obvious that we should probably wind down the business. You know, it was getting riskier. We couldn't get the land deals. There was more and more guarantees. The market was starting, was turning. And what year uh, was it, Bert? That was uh, 93, 94. Oh, yeah. No, no, it was uh, 92. And, and it was, became clear That's that that was time. happening. And, and Molly, one of the greatest uh, things I ever learned was from Dale, because he said, uh, he said, I think we should do it. He goes, I want you guys to do it. And, and I was, I was kind of CFO, COO there at that company. I had risen up to that after uh, the five years I was there. And um, nice. one of the things he says, I, I'd like to wind this business down. And uh, he said, I'd like to, um, uh, he goes, I, I want to get every, every uh, employee to have at least two months severance in addition to giving them time to look for a, a I look for a, a job. I want every trade paid off. I want a warranty department to be set up for a year or two years to handle all of our customers so that there's no issues. I want to build out the last communities. And he said, and try and do it and save as much as you can at the end, but do it right. And I remember saying to him, I, I can't believe we're going to do this. And we went from 69 employees down to three and I was one of the three. And I said, Dale, this is incredible. You're doing this and you're spending this much money to, you know, any, any, his reputation was important to him. And he said to me, he said, Bert, money will buy you a great bed, but it won't buy you a good night's sleep. And I never forgot that. That's I awful. never forgot that because he put his money where his mouth is and he left with an impeccable reputation. And, um, so we wound that down and I had been kind of networking because he said, you know, you should probably look for something, you know, because we're going to wind down. And he really appreciated. Uh, I got an opportunity uh, to KB Home was talking to me about uh, doing something in Mexico uh, for them. Again, you know, we're not Mexican, but I speak Spanish fluently. Sure. But I, I, what I didn't say is when my parents immigrated here, I didn't speak English until I was five. And it was one of oh the greatest gosh. gifts. Yeah, it was one of the greatest gifts my parents could have ever given me because uh, English was my second language. Obviously, now Spanish is my second language, but I really learned English from kindergarten and playing with kids in the street, you know, at four or five years old. Your English up. is perfect. Wow. Well, yeah. And it's funny because my Spanish, when I, when I go on job sites, you know, I'm fluent, I could read it, write it. But when I go on job sites, if I really want to get to know what's happening on a job, I do it. And I talk to the, you know, a lot of our workforce is Hispanic and I get the real scoop as to what's going on in jobs. But, um, That's but anyway, they so, can't talk so, behind your back either, Bert, right? I mean, no, no, I don't, I don't always introduce that way. Too. I kind of like to float through. I hear the conversations and, uh, I've only had to do that one time. It wasn't, it wasn't personal, but it was about the group and, uh, and I had to correct the gentleman. So That's let's put it funny. that way. That's but um, what, what ended up happening, Molly, is that, that I, I, when Signature wound down, uh, KB Home, or back then it was Kaufman and Broad, was talking to me about running Mexico City because I was bilingual. I knew the, the home building and they were on it and I looked into it and I just didn't feel that they had really thought through everything that needed 
to happen down there. And ultimately, I think what my concerns were came to fruition and they got out of there. I never went down with them, but they kept calling and kept calling and kept calling. And I was looking at the time to relocate to Denver. Uh, I had looked at a bunch of places around the country. I just felt like California was expensive. It was, it was uh, you know, the market wasn't great. It, it was tough. And they called me and I said, really, I'm not interested in Mexico, whatever. And they said, well, where else? And I said, I go to Colorado. They said, we are starting a division there right now. And uh, so long story short, I ended up jumping in with, with them. Um, it was with another gentleman, a great guy by the name of Andy Tchaikovsky. And, mm. and uh, we built it up. We, we bought like 13 communities in the first year and a half. And Did you start that division in Denver? Uh, I, I was critical to the, the startup, but I wasn't the first employee. No, okay. I was probably the third or fourth employee, maybe. Nice. That's, um, a, that's a great division in Denver. They do a great job there. Yeah, no. And it, it, uh, and it moved on and Andy moved on after a couple of years. And so I was there and I always served kind of, again, in a COO role. I did the financial side, but I also helped in, uh, you know, land acquisition, our ops guy uh, left. Um, and so I, I took over ops for a short period of time. And um, so that was great. And within three years, we built it up to be one of the top builders in, in uh, Metro Denver. I think we were like top five, maybe in, in that period of time. Now, not everybody was there that's there today. Well, um, Along came a call. I didn't usually take calls, but it was something came up at KB. And I thought, you know, um, I've done this for three years. The public company thing, KB is a good company, but it's just, we, we don't have the same alignment. Uh, I, I kind of look at things a little bit longer term at that time. And, um, and I got a, a call and the first call I got was from a national recruiter that wanted to start up a division. Um, and he wouldn't tell me the company, but eventually it was Shea Holmes. And um, so I went on the interviews, it went really well. Uh, I met with the Shays, um, you know, the three elder Shays who uh, ran the company at the time. And um, we hit it off great. And literally I became division president and, um, and ran that for about six and a half years uh, before taking this role. That's great. So you were in Denver and then from Denver, you came over to the CEO role and then, and then you came to California. Is that right? Came back to California. Yeah. So and, and the big issue there, Molly was uh, the, the only thing there's a, a year after we started, we started in 96 and in April of 97, John Shea called me and said, Hey, have you ever heard of this little town or this project called Highlands Ranch? Right. And uh, that was when we kind of dove in and uh, I said, John, that's like one of the largest master plan communities in the country. Just a little and, bit. And, and we, uh, we <laughs> ended up from April to August, it was 16, 18 hours a day because we only had five to seven employees at that time. And I was running all of the Colorado due diligence. They owned uh, Mission Viejo, Aliso Viejo, and Highlands Ranch. And my kind of partner in crime was Lane Marceau. Who oh, I love was, Lane. Yeah, Lane's great. Lane was, uh, is now division president in Northern California yeah. for us. 
but he was um, in kind of a COO slash CFO role in our Southern California deal. So he ran all of the due, due, due diligence on uh, Aliso Viejo and Mission Viejo to get the valuation. I ran the analysis on everything in Colorado, including commercial and residential. And we put our numbers together, put a bid in, and we were the successful bidder. And in August of 97, we closed on what was probably the biggest transaction in the country. It was about half a billion dollars. And it was, um, you know, we got Highlands Ranch. And what I ended up running was a 22,000 acre ranch uh, community with uh, the 16,000 homes had been built out at the time. Uh, it needed, it was zoned for 36,000 homes to be built. And uh, we just wrapped it up, Molly, last year. If you could believe that, wow. we were done. And um, so it was, it was quite the run. And we were the number one master plan community, largest in the country for two or three years uh, there in the late 90s. So it was quite a blow up uh, from startup to big acquisition to big company. We instantly became a big developer builder in Denver. That's pretty awesome. My nephew, Ryan, a little plug for my nephew, Ryan, actually lives in, in, in Highlands Ranch and loves it. It's so beautiful. Really. I love Ryan already. You guys did a great job. No, he, it's, well, he has a beautiful yeah. home. A lot of learning there and a lot of what we learned earlier, what I learned in a master plan uh, communities from uh, Rancho Mission Viejo and in, in college helped, you know, getting my MBA and, and doing that really helps. Oh, I bet. Things. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So, so you've, you've worked through a complete workout disposition of a company. You've worked yep. for a developer. You've worked for a builder. You've worked good times, tough times. Where did you learn the most in your career? Unequivocally downtimes. Yeah. Un un unequivocally. And it, it's, it's funny because signature where I, you know, learned a lot. The reason I got the opportunity is because the late, I was getting my, you know, when I graduated, it was late 80s, it was 89. In 1990, things were like falling off the cliff. And there was a lot of the VPs there who had gotten these huge bonuses. I mean, to, to the point, I couldn't even imagine that type of money back then because I paid my way through USD myself. I paid my way through UCLA myself. And I was up to here in debt. And it was the only time in my life that it was just that the debt was overwhelming. And I remember thinking, I'll, I'll work for anything. And That's why you probably work so hard. Well, you do. You just do what you got to do. And I saw these guys and they all had the coolest Mercedes cars, BMWs, the cool suits, the whole bit. And I remember thinking, you know what? You, I, I kind of felt like maybe they felt like they arrived and kind of forgot that it's a cyclical business. And so I learned a ton in winding down that company. I learned a ton in uh, the 2006, seven, eight, you know, that whole time frame too. And, you know, in, in, when the wind's at your back, everybody's great. It's during yeah. those times and how you handle it um, that you really learn a lot. And, um, and hopefully we're better today because of what we learned. We're not perfect and we make our mistakes, but hopefully not the same ones. 
Well, you certainly have to figure out a lot of stuff, right? You're not doing the same thing oh, yeah. every day. That's for no, sure. that that's that's for sure. So, was there a point in your career where you were like, "I've got this," <laughs> or like that turning point where where something happened and you were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I'm going to be the guy. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you honestly. I, I think I've got an internal voice that, that doesn't ever let me feel like <laughs> I've arrived. I just don't. I, I, I know think, that about you. I, it makes yeah, me smile. I, I just think it's kind of when I think about my mom's mentality and just kind of how it's a bit of the immigrant's mentality, maybe of just, this is an incredible opportunity. Don't blow it. Don't, don't let things go that way. So I, I, I don't, I've never felt this is it. I've made it. I will tell you, I did have an eye opener the day we announced the Mission Viejo acquisition and um, I became the, the, the president or whatever of, of that company and mm-hmm. Shea Homes Colorado as this kind of combined group. And we made the announcement, we made it to the press, we kind of told the team uh, which ones were staying, which ones were, we were not gonna, we were gonna part with um, and did that. And I remember walking back to my desk, my office, and there were messages from Wall Street Journal, LA Times, Denver Post, Rocky Mountain News, uh, Bloomberg. It was just immediate, immediate media blitz. And I don't think I was ready for it. I think I did fine with, with it, but I just you're working so hard to get this deal done. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this was, this was big, right? It was really big. And it wasn't just big for us. It was big for, for news in the country. And uh, so that was kind of a day I went, okay, this is, this is kind of the next level. You know, we got up our game and got to get ready for this. This is, this is different. And, um, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. I actually enjoyed the pressure of that. And uh and that was really fun to be able to do it. Not many people get a chance to do that. And I was really blessed to be able to do it. Well, it sounds like you got your hardworking, you know, work ethic from your father, but at the same time, mm-hmm. that sort of adventure for life and, you know, try to get everything you can out of it with your family from your mom. So, you know what, cool. Molly, I think that's very astute. I think that's probably very, very true. You know, yeah, you've got a nice blend of both of them. That's pretty <laughs> neat for sure. Thank for you. Sure. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go to Shea for the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. As you guys are, as you guys design homes and you're and you're developing master plans and all of that. I mean, there's there's a lot of choices out there in the market today, for sure. And what is the one thing about what you guys really try to do? And and maybe even I'm going to say secret sauce, do different. However, you want to say that. What is it that Shea does different? Well, I, I think there's a few things, Molly. I'm, I'm, I can't give you just one, but let me start. We talked about the company. I think being private, being large, and having a long-term commitment, I think, is more aligned. Uh, this is a tough business to be public and uh, closing X number of units every quarter. I mean, those are families. They're moving into these homes, and it's 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 a bit it's a people business. You know, I I, I think. Uh, it was uh, Howard Schultz at Starbucks said, you know, we're in the people business that happens to, to sell coffee. I feel like we're in the people business that happens to build and sell homes and create these incredible communities. So I, I think that's 
one thing. I think the other thing is what we just talked about. I think being a builder and developer, even our small communities, we think through what the community should feel like. It's not just, just go slap up the same plan over and over and you're not thinking about how people are gonna live. And then I think the real differentiator when it comes to the vertical house or the house itself is, is really, I'd say three things. One is design. You know, we have a tremendous asset in Howard Englander, yes, who has been do. an icon in this industry forever. And uh, we were able to convince him to be with us full time. And he's he's amazing. Um, so he helps us a lot on the architecture. But we put a lot of time in the design side to livability, not just let's come out with the coolest thing. But how is this going to function? How are people going to live? So I think first, I'd say design. Second, I'd say quality. When you look at our parent company, you know, their affiliates going back with the same family go back to 1881. They I was going to ask you about that. They built something small back then, right? <laughs> yeah, they built the Golden Gate Bridge, everything right. vertical you see down into the water, the piers and vertical on the Golden Gate Bridge, the yeah. vertical on the Bay Bridge. They were the lead uh, contractor with six other groups or five other uh, companies on the Hoover Dam. They've done big things that have stood the test of time. And so quality is in the, is in the family's DNA. And that's something that we put a lot of emphasis and time on. Again, we're not perfect. This is a custom built home. There's very few things, I don't mean custom like custom home, but right. there's not many products that are built by hand today. And we have a lot of hands that touch that home from the time it goes up. And then, and that's gonna change in the future, but, but we take a lot of pride in the quality. And then last to me is probably the most important and that's the experience. You know, we've always been one of the, the top, if not the leader for many years on the customer service side that we stopped comparing and stopped being part of the, the global survey thing, because I think we were getting too caught up in, okay, so we're doing great. So we don't need to do much else. And we were getting too caught up in our scores have gone down a 10th of a point or gone up a two tenths of a point, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it kind of lost track of what is really the voice of the customer. What are they saying? What are they telling us? What are they open-ended us to? And would they refer us to somebody else? And we're really proud of, of, of that because we get a lot of referrals and you know we, we take what they tell us and it's a learning book for the next home, the next community, the next whatever we do. And we have a feedback loop that if somebody says, you know, the towel holders in this in this bathroom don't work because somebody didn't think about this, we'll immediately go back and start doing that different in the others. And uh, so it's just, it just makes you a lot better builder when you don't get caught up in just looking at the scoreboard and focus on the process. You know what, I, I, it's interesting to me too, because that comes through in all of your employees too, right? I mean, I've, I've worked with so many different ones in different parts of the country and they're all just genuinely great. I mean, it's, it's neat. Well, Molly, I, one thing on that note, the, the people that I am blessed to work with every day are just incredible. And they're just really, really good people. And uh, it, it's amazing. And then then you look at what our active lifestyle group does. I mean, Molly, you've worked with them. You see mm -hmm. the places that they create uh, awesome. and the lifestyle that they they create, which is is very different. You know, it uh, it's 
that buyer buys community and then house second. Most of our family buyers buy a home in a neighborhood, but it's home first, community second. There, it's really community and the home. And uh, we're just, we, it's just, I love the people I work with. It really makes work fun. And I, I enjoy it because I get the interaction. These are some very good friends. Uh, I've got to hold them accountable too, but, but we find that balance and it's awesome. It's, it, and it definitely shows up in your product and, and agreed. I think it shows up in your people. I, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience with anybody or company. <laughs> Everybody's just like super nice, just like you are. Um, well, on that you. note, we're going to end with your favorite sort of inspirational leaders. And I'm going to ask you to give me like maybe one, well, I think I know one of them or two of them probably very clearly kind of as you were growing up, but who are your mentors today? Like, I mean, how did you get to be, you have one of the best attitudes of anybody I've ever known. How did, how did you get there? And I, part of it, I think I just learned in this interview, but. <laughs> you know what, my, I, I, I've just been surrounded by great people, you know, I mean, uh, one of the guys I, I work with uh, in the Shea family, the next generation is Peter Shea Jr. And he's just a, you know, when I look at people who are great leaders, I look, okay, what, what makes them great leaders? To me, passionate about what they do, right? Mm -hmm. Super high integrity. You know, everybody I've, I've mentioned earlier today, high integrity. Uh, they're really good listeners. Uh, I would say they value their people. It's probably one of the top priorities uh, that I see. And I think it's important. People just want to feel valued. I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's not difficult. I think we make business a lot more difficult than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. You know, treat people like you want to be treated. Set the goal. Create a cultural framework with values kind of set up the guardrails. And if you're within the guardrails, do it your way. If not, do it the other way. And I've just, I've been really fortunate to work with just incredible people. You're Tony Moiso, Dale Stewart. John Shea is one of the, the smartest, most inquisitive, uh, generous, humble. Uh, I mean, what he gives back to the community is unbelievable, but because he's so humble, he doesn't like to talk about it. And it's a bit of a catch 22 because if people knew how much it is, it, it's astonishing and it's, it's incredible. And I'm just proud to be affiliated uh, with it. I think if I looked outside, I I've always loved John Wooden. Um, Me too. I, I just think that, you know, you don't win, what do they win? 10 championships in like 12 years. Uh, I just don't see that being repeated, but he focused on, he was passionate. He focused on the little things. Like the thing I always loved about him was he had that, uh, that knack for let's take care of every detail and the score takes care of itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Bill Walsh of the 49ers wrote a book called the score takes care of itself, but wouldn't first practice. What do you do is you teach them to put their socks on how to put them on accurately and how to tie your shoes so that they never lost a game or at the end of the, at the end of a game, somebody's shoes became untied or they had blisters and they couldn't play in the next game. That's passion for details. And I think when you're designing a home, designing a community, managing people, it's the details and the small elements that count. And I think that's something that I love in leaders and, uh, and uh, a lot of the people in our company have that. And I'm, I'm just, again, blessed to work with them. 
Well, here's, here's a pretty neat thing. Uh, and I can say this with all honesty. I think you're now the person who might speak with a John Wooden. I mean, you have to, I mean, you've had some pretty amazing speaking engagements and definitely charismatic and, you know, from all the things you've done with City of Hope and Homemade and all of those things, I mean, it's pretty impressive. So I just, I, I can't thank you enough for taking this interview. I can't thank you enough for all that you do in the industry and the people around you and, you know, just with Shay and frankly, you know, the other parts of you that I know just with your family. I mean, I, it's, it's pretty impressive. So for, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's a huge pleasure to have you here uh, with this inspirational leadership series. We look for only the best and you're certainly a part of that. And um, we just appreciate the time today. Thank you, Molly. You know what? I'm uh, super appreciative and humbled to, to be here. And thanks to you for doing this. I think it's great. Uh, hopefully a lot of the younger folks will get something out of it. But Molly, thanks to all your contributions in the industry. I think about how many master plans and home designs and you know whether projects were built or not uh, came down to you. And I think you do a great job in the industry. So thank you for that. And it's always good to see you. It was such a pleasure.